to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Take your Bible tonight, go to John chapter 4. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for insight into the spirit realm. I thank you that you reveal to us what we need to do in this day and this hour. Father, that we can get our minds off the things of this world. You said we're in this world, but we are not of this world. So we want to hook up to the spirit realm, knows exactly what's going on, and be able to function the way you want us to function, get our purpose and our job done here so that we can get out of here, praise God, and then start all over again. We thank you for it and give you praise for everything tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. All right, John chapter 4. Look at verse 24. Jesus is speaking. He says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. First of all, God is a spirit. Say, God, God is, a spirit. is a spirit. All right, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, look at verse 23, and it says, The very God of peace will sanctify you wholly, all one part, all one piece, and I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This tells you who you are. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a physical body, praise God. You are a spirit. You do not have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul that's made up of your mind, your will, your emotions, and your imagination. And, of course, we all live in this physical body for now, praise God, that gives us the authority here on the earth to operate what God wants us to do. Say, God is a spirit. spirit. Say, man is a spirit. spirit. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 1. Love to hear them pages turning. Hallelujah. All right, Hebrews chapter 1, are you there? Look at verse 13. It says, But to which of the angels says he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstools? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation? So notice there are angels and they are what? Spirits, right. But there's ministers of salvation, but they are also spirits. So God is a spirit, man is a spirit. And basically, angels are spirits. Now, the only one that you may ever see in person while being here is yourself. How many of you know that? But just because you don't see angels, how many of you know they still exist? Just because you don't see God, he still exists. So spirits are of the other realm. Basically, they're in the spirit realm. They do not have bodies as we do, physical bodies. That's why God wants to use your body. Because in order to operate down here, he must flow through you and minister through your authority and your power that he has given you. Say, God is a spirit. Man is a spirit. Angels are spirits. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 12. Got a happy group here tonight anyway, praise God. All right, Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 9. It says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. 
Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Say, Father of spirits. Now, who's it talking about here? It's talking about God, isn't it? So notice, God, who is a spirit, is the Father of who? Spirits, praise God. All right, go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, look at verse 44. Jesus says, You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So now we found out that God is the father of spirits, but also the devil is the father of spirits. Here it talks about basically the devil's attributes. He is a murderer. He is a liar. One of the trademarks basically of this time, if you're living in this time, you're going to find out that there's a lot of lying going on out there. There's a lot of false stuff. Why is that? Because the enemy has influenced human beings to do his work here in the earth. The devil never killed anybody. He used someone else or sickness and disease to kill someone. He cannot do it himself because he's a spirit. He does not have a body, does not have authority. So he must use people in order to do that. And right now, you know, back when I was a kid, if you wanted something done, you could shake somebody's hand and they would do it. You didn't even have to have a written contract. Now you can have a written contract and he still won't do what they wrote down to do. That's where it's become. Why is that? Because you can see the influence that has come upon the earth through the demon spirits and the demonic spirits influencing man's mind and his soul. Here it says, basically we know that God cannot lie, but it says the devil cannot tell the truth. Say the devil devil cannot tell the truth. truth. It also says there's no truth in him. So when he speaks to you things other than the word of God and you recognize that, you've got to understand that they aren't the truth, they are a lie. How many know he will lie to you? How many lies to you all the time? If he's not doing it in that still small voice, he'll find somebody else to lie to you and use him for it. So notice he is a liar. That means if he tells you when you wake up tomorrow morning you're sick, guess what? You're healed, praise God. If he tells you you're poor, tells you, best God, you're just about to get rich, glory to God. Because he cannot tell the truth, he is a liar. Now notice, what sets us free according to the Bible? We shall know the, and the truth shall make us free. Now here it says in this verse, it says there is no truth in him at all. That makes him the most bound being in the entire universe because he knows no truth. So he's bound. So since there's no truth in him, he is the most bound creature that ever lived. He is also, the one which the Bible says, the father of lies, the father of the devil. So notice there's two fathers. There's father the devil in the Bible, and of course there's also father God in the Bible. All right, go to 1 John chapter 3. All right, 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loves not his brother. Now here it talks about two families in the earth. It talks about the family of God and the family of the devil. Notice there's only two families. Say two families families. in in the earth. That's why Jesus came and said, you must be born again, you must be born out of one family into the 
other family. And we do that simply by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, who basically paid our price to enter the kingdom of God and go from one family to the other family. When Adam sinned, all mankind at that time was born into the family of the devil. The devil at that time became the father of all mankind. Everyone on earth is either a child of God or they are a child of the devil spiritually. People say, well, I just believe we're all God's children. No, that's not true. You're either born again or you are not born again. If you're not born again, then basically you're not in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Some people say, I don't know how my relation act that way. Well, because they're still a child of the devil and they have not been born again. Now, whichever kingdom you're in, you have the nature of that kingdom in that family. So when we're born into the world, I mean, how many of you know that nobody had to teach us to lie? Nobody had to teach us to cheat. We were experts from day one, praise God, because we had the nature on the inside of us of the enemy. Once we got born again, that nature changed into the nature of God. What is our nature now? It is love. It is joy. It is peace. It is power. It's forgiveness. It's all these things that we have. So what we try to do is hook up to that new nature on the inside of us so we can look like children of God rather than children of the devil. If you remember the very, one of the very first stories in the Bible, Cain and Abel, what did Cain do? He killed his brother, then lied about it. Why is that? Because that was his nature. That's the nature that he had on the inside of him. So once we get born again, we become a child of God, no longer a child of the devil. But how many know there's people out there who are child, children of the devil? They're all over the place. Our job is to make sure that they get born again and come become children of God themselves. And then you want to grow up to manifest the nature of God that's now on the inside of you. Once again, spiritually, when you get born again, your nature changes, but your soul does not change. In other words, your mind, your will, and emotions remain the same, and you have to renew your mind to the Word of God and heaven itself and God's thoughts and God's ideas in order to line up with the nature on the inside of you. That's why, you know, before I got saved and I sinned, I never felt guilty. I'd go out, get drunk, do whatever. I never went home and said, oh, my God, I'm so guilty. No, I was wondering when I could do it the next time. Why is that? It's because I had a sin nature already on the inside of me. But now once you get born again and start doing those things, how many know it bugs you? Why is that? Because there's a different nature on the inside. You're fighting against your own new nature when you do things outside of God's nature. And that's when guilt and condemnation come in. The Bible tells us that he's given us precious promises. And by these, you can partake of the divine nature of God. So how do I change from one thought life to the other thought life spiritually? I use something that is spiritual, which is the word of God. Hallelujah. So God is spirit. We are spirits, angels are spirits, and the Word of God is spirit also. If you're going to go anywhere in the kingdom of God, you've got to use something spiritually to grow spiritually. And the only spiritual thing we really have is what? It's the Word of God, isn't it? So what do we want to do? We simply don't want to try to do better. We want to believe the precious promises. Therefore, we partake of the divine nature and escape the corruption and lust that we used to do in our minds and in our souls. Are you following me? So I don't want to try to get better. I want to believe that I'm better. I don't want to try to get righteous. I just believe I'm righteous because it was provided. I don't want to try to get sin out of my life. I want to believe that sin's been thrown in the east and west and drowned in the sea, and I don't have sin nature anymore. Are you following me? And the Bible says, whatsoever a man thinks in his heart, so is. So if I think I'm a sinner, what am I going to do? If I think I'm a lover, guess what I'm going to do? 
See, so that's what we're doing. We're transferring over, but we're still spirit beings. We, one time we were like dead spirits, but now we're alive spirits because we've been born again, and now we want to grow out of it. Before you could get away with lying. Now you can't get away with lying. I mean, even a little white lie, God catches you on the darn thing. He don't give you a break at all, praise God. Why is that? Because on the inside of you, there is a different nature on the inside of you. And, and really, the more you learn to cooperate with the spirit nature in you and the spirit of God in you, the more you'll manifest Christ who's a spirit through you as a spirit being. Even when you go on the other side of it, everybody has a nature of the devil. Some have learned to cooperate with it more than other people have. So somebody that rapes and kills somebody else doesn't mean they're a worse person. It just means they learn to cooperate with that nature they got on the inside of them, and they're really cooperating with it. And even in Christians, it's not that God gave you more of his nature and less to somebody else. It's somebody's finally learned to cooperate with the nature that's on the inside of them, and they do that by faith in the Word of God. So a person that learns to yield to the divine nature on the inside, and we do that, and once again, we do that by faith. Say, by faith. By faith. So once I got born again, I started reading the Bible, and it says, I'm a holy person. I'm a righteous person. I'm a loving person. I'm a kind person. I'm a forgiving person. So I had to convince myself, first of all. See, that's the Holy Ghost's toughest part, is to convince you of who you are. Poor guy. I'm telling you, he wears himself out trying to do it. Because most of you want to judge yourself by your actions rather than by the Word of God. You can't do that. You're not going to go anywhere. If you judge yourself by your actions, you're going to go around in a circle the rest of your life. But we're not going to do that. We're going to believe the Word of God. We're going to put faith in the Word of God, and the Spirit of God will bring that alive on the inside of you. Then everything you do outside of the love, outside of the peace, outside of the joy, you'll be able to catch right away. Then if we're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we don't have to be guilty for six years when we sin. We can confess it right away and move on, praise God. So every person in the world today is of one family or the other. Every person, the person you're sitting aside of today is either of one family or the other. They're either the family of the God or the family of the devil, depending whether they're born again or whether they're not. So there's children of God and children of the devil. And the nature will manifest in your life as you learn to cooperate with that nature on the inside of you. All right, go to Acts chapter 13. All right, Acts chapter 13, look at verse 9. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the ways of the Lord? Now, how many want Paul for a pastor? No, Paul looked at this guy and he called him out. He said, you are a child of the devil. You're an enemy of righteousness. He didn't call him a bad boy. He didn't call him somebody who's misguided. He didn't call him troubled. He called him a child of the devil. He's a person of subtlety and all mischief. But notice, Paul was also full of a spirit, verse 9, and Saul, who also was called Paul, was filled with the Holy Ghost. That means as a spiritual being, you are going to live full of something. You're either going to live full of the things of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God, or the negativity and the fault stuff and everything out there. And depending on what your soul is full of will control your destiny. And, and who's responsible for what's in our soul? 
We are, aren't we? We're the ones that God did say, I'm going to renew your mind. Just lay around and eat bonbons and watch TV and everything's going to be all right. No, he said, you are responsible to renew your mind on the word of God, to not be conformed to this world anymore, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So what we want to do is we want to change our mind to line up with spiritual things in the kingdom of God. You know, you go through the promises and really in the natural, they don't make sense. The Bible says, I've been raised and seated in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Well, here I stand. Am I up there? Am I down here? Where am I at? Am I behind the right hand of the God? Or is this me down here? Is there two of me? Is there three of me? Is there a spiritual me? Is there a physical me? No, that, that's your position. That's your spiritual position that you're in. And you can reign from that position even though you're down here. Are you following me? It's a spiritual thing, basically, that takes place. And that's why we struggle, you know, with all the different promises in the Bible. By his stripes, I'm healed, but I'm sick. Well, no, you're not sick. In the spirit realm, you've already been healed, but in the natural realm, you're relying on the physical feelings and the pain and everything else to agree with the wrong thing, the lie. So basically you're in bondage because you're in bondage to a lie. But if you find out the truth, the truth will praise God, set you free. Glory to God. All right, go to Ephesians chapter two. Actually, as a born-again Christian, you should be getting just a little bit freer every single day almost as you spend time in the Word. You're going to find something else and something, I mean, it never ends. And every time you get a revelation, you think you've arrived. <laughs> Don't you? My God, did you see that? Oh, my God. Oh, I'm the only one in the world that knows this revelation right now. No, everybody learned that about 20 years ago, and you just figured it out. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 2. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation or lifestyle in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature the children of wrath even as others now notice that pretty much spells it out there before you were born again in times past before you got born again you had the lust of the flesh you were by nature the children of the devil and basically you were under the prince of the power of the air now who's the prince of the power of the air the devil now if you look basically at the world right now you can see the devil has basically taking over 90 percent of the air waves Right now, what's he putting out? Lies, fake information, false, all this stuff. Why? Because he's controlling those things. And basically, why is he controlling those things? I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Because of something called money. Whenever you want to see what's going on really in the world, you just follow the money, praise God, and you're going to find out what's going on. There's people out there spitting out fake news, and nobody's even watching their channel anymore, but it doesn't matter because they're still getting money from demonic people who want to sow into their ministry and keep them going, even though they're just telling lie after lie after lie. They don't even make sense. What is it? The airwaves are very important because what goes into your soul and what goes into your mind that people listen to repeatedly will definitely get in there and affect your lifestyle. And if you go from one channel to the next news channel to the next news channel to the next news channel, it is going to mess you up before it's over with, unless you can find a channel that actually teaches the truth. But even if it is the truth in the natural, you're not going to get any truth in the spirit. Have you ever got 11 o'clock, turned on channel 34 or whatever locally, and it says, praise God, Jesus healed you again today, and the power of God is just flowing through Port St. Lucie right now. People are falling out under the power. There's signs, wonders, and miracles everywhere. You just need to lift your hands and rejoice. You're never going to hear that. You may hear some truth about who got hit by a car or who died today, but that's not the truth that's going to feed you spiritually. That's the truth that's going to feed you soulishly. 
Do you see? And as a spiritual being, it's up to us in order to renew our minds and change the way we think so that we can not only know about the Spirit, but we can actually walk and live in the Spirit. So the problem here is not basically sin in the world. It is a sin nature that's in the world. Sin's not the problem. If you get rid of the sin nature, you won't have to deal with sin anymore. But as long as there's sinners in the world, they're going to be dealing with sin. So people say, well, the sin problem in the world. No, it's a sin nature problem. That's why we're supposed to get people born again. Hallelujah. And let me just tell you now, no matter what you're hearing on the news or anything else, we're winning. Amen. The devil isn't unborn again anybody. We're getting people born again every day. Are you following me? So no matter what they're telling you on there, no matter what they're saying, he's losing every day another 5, 10, 15, 20 people coming into the kingdom of God, and he loses more and more and more. Praise God. So man is an eternal being. Now, I might as well just go into this. Once we get to a point where we, something happens or we get in our lives or we get so old, basically, at that time we will leave this world, we'll leave this physical body, and basically we will go one of two places. There are only two places. There are spiritual places. There's a place called hell, and there's a place called heaven. Praise God. Real places, not fictional, not a movie. These are the two spiritual places, basically, when somebody dies, they either go to one or the other, and sooner or later, they'll go before something called the white throne judgment, and sentencing will be passed upon anybody who was here in the earth and has now left the earth and died. And if basically people have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Bible says they will go with the devil, the false prophet, and the fallen angel forever. They'll go to the pit of hell and then be thrown into something called the lake of fire. Hallelujah. Makes you want to tell somebody, don't it? See, we look at everything down here. Oh, that person's terrible. This person's terrible. I can't stand that person. But notice, eternity's a long time. Life is short down here. I mean, the worst person you ever run into, man, you still need to try to get them into the kingdom somehow rather than just saying, oh, they're so stupid. I don't want to talk to them again. Because basically eternity is a long time and people are going to end up in the lake of fire before this is over with and they're going to last there for eternity. Say eternity. eternity. Now, I don't know if you ever did it before, but in my prayer time sometimes I try to think of eternity. Don't really compute, does it? We're all on time. We're, we're an age and time and everything. But when we die, there's going to be no time anymore. It's going to be eternity. And then you think, what am I going to be doing for the next eternity? <laughs> Come on. I mean, I'm getting older, you know, this, and I'm going to be 70, going to be 80, going to be 90. But if I die, I'm really nothing. I'm not really one or two or three or four. I'm just there. And I'm going to be there forever. And what am I going to be doing there forever? I don't know. If you find out, please let me know. Praise God. I would like to know that. <laughs> so hell is real. It, it does exist. Denying its existence will not make it go away. Some people say, well, I just don't believe in hell. Well, no matter if you believe it or not, you will someday. <laughs> You're going to get a revelation, praise God. So hell is basically like the uh, county jail for renegade spirits when they die. The lake of fire is a federal prison for all eternity. Hell is not a permanent place for the unsaved. It is a holding place until the white throne judgment, and then people will be thrown into the lake of fire at that time. Heaven is not a permanent place. Some people say, I'm going to go to heaven and live with Jesus forever. Well, you're going to go to heaven, but you're not going to live in heaven with Jesus forever because there's going to be a new heaven, there's going to be a new earth, and you're going to be put right back down here again. And I guarantee you this take two is going to be a lot better than take one. <laughs> Thank God, huh? 
But once people die and they go to hell, once they leave this physical body, they have no choice anymore of whether where they're going or what they're doing. Do you understand? And you can't help them. You can say as many prayers for them as you want to. You can beg God. You can do whatever. You've got to make that choice when you're in your physical body because that's when basically you have the authority to do that. So once you go to hell, there's no second chance. There's no appeal. And to break your heart, there's no purgatory. Glory to God. You have a choice to avoid it right now while you're in this earth body. Once you leave and die, basically, you can no longer make that choice again. Okay, go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. In the day we're living in right now, one of the biggest struggles that I've got in my own life, basically, is with people who I think are born again, but I don't really know if they're born again. You know, you've got relation like that. You think they're born again, but then again, sometimes they talk like they never knew God from a truck. And next time you talk to them, they're the most spiritual people in the world. And you're just wondering, are, are they really born again? Are they going to heaven? Are they go, going to hell? I mean, which way? Go? And it's very hard to determine what's going on, especially now because there's a lot of places where people are born again, but they never get in church, they never get under the word, so basically they still live with that demonic nature, even though they don't have the nature, they still act like that, they still lie, they still cheat, they still cuss, they do all these things, there's been no change in their life altogether, but that doesn't mean that they're not born again, but then again, if they're really good, it doesn't mean that they are born again, so it's very difficult to do it, so what I do basically with people and, and some of my relation is I'll just drop lines here and there, you know, sort of like a sucker punch. You know, you're talking about stuff, and maybe you don't know, say, yeah, yeah, and people, you know, they die and go to hell, and that's eternity. But those that accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, praise God, you know, they get to go to heaven or whatever, and, and that's the end of the discussion. We don't go any further than that, but at least they heard, you know, that, and that's the reason, I'll be honest with you, why I wrote the book. Because basically there was one time I had a dream years ago before I started the book, and I had a dream, and I woke up, and I was at the White Throne Judgment. And, of course, I was back with all the Christian people that I knew, but there were some of my friends who were walking up to get the judgment. And as I got halfway up there, some of them would turn to me, and they would say, Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? And it just struck me right in here. And then there was other people standing aside of me saying, I'm glad you told me. I'm glad you told me. And I said, My gosh, there's got to be a way to get to those people who are the extra tough people. You can talk to anybody off the street. You can talk to anybody. Man, when you come to relation and people you know, that, that's a toughie there, praise God. Because they knew you when you acted like the devil. Come on now. And now, now they, they think you're just a, such a goody coos shoes now. Well, I didn't change my shoes. I changed my nature on the inside, and I'm now born again, praise God. And since I'm born again, and then it's got to be more. So I got the book out. I mailed it to all my aunts, my uncles, everybody I could mail it to and say it's out there. Now they read the book. It's up to them. You see, at least I did something here to try to do that, praise God. So that's why we're getting the book all over the place. We're giving people a shot to read the thing and find out what's going on. Because I tell you, I don't care how bad a person is. I don't want them to go to hell. I mean, I've read about hell, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anybody there, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. So am I. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter, let's look at chapter 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory and his power. How many know that's a tough spot to be again? This tells you what's going to happen to those people who did not get born again. Now, when I learned this, one thing it did for me, it made the kingdom of God my priority. So instead of work being my priority, the kingdom of God at work became my priority. See, not just going to work, not just making money. I was out on the mail route looking to minister to somebody every single day. Therefore, my job was not boring. It did not wear me out because I was trying to promote the kingdom of God. When you go to the grocery store, your main objection should be have your radar up. I mean, don't run around at everybody at every place. Hey, you know Jesus? You know Jesus? Because I'll probably end up putting you in a funny farm someplace. I'm just saying as you go around those places, have your radar up as that's your, your main purpose for doing that. When I play basketball, my main purpose there is to minister to somebody who's there or at least say nice things about somebody. I'll tell you, that'll do it because nobody else does. You'll stand out like a sore thumb if you just encourage somebody. There's times somebody on the other team makes a good shot. I say, good shot. They say, what are you talking about? You should encourage them. They're on the other team. They made their shot. Well, if they made a good shot, you know, somebody ought to say, good shot. See, what is it? I'm different. And, and they slowly learn why you're different. But every place we go, everything we do now becomes a ministry of getting the kingdom of God into the lives of other people. And basically, that's why we were created to begin with, wasn't it? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done here on earth just as it is in. Well, how's that going to get done? It's going to get done by people who are filled with the nature of God, who already know God, who are going to be used to touch other people's life. People come to me all the time and say, I wish I'd get a vision. I wish I'd get a vision. Get a vision of people going to hell and you'll get a vision. So you'll get a vision to get people into the kingdom of God, won't you? Because it's important to do that, praise God. It's great that we worship in God that he saved us, but there's other people out there that need saved also. Glory to God. All right, go to Revelations chapter 20. talking about spiritual things, we're talking about our life, we're talking about our future, we're talking about these things. Revelations chapter 20, look at verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night. How long? Forever. Not only forever, but ever. Man, is ever, forever and ever longer than just forever? I don't know, but it's in there, praise God. Forever and ever and ever, praise God, they've been in there. So this tells you once again what's going to happen down the line. The devil's going to be cast into the lake of fire. The beast, the false prophet, those people who were deceived by the enemy. As somebody always says, if the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Because oh, we know his future, don't we now? So the devil and his demons, eternity in the lake of fire. Once again, not a fictional story. This is actual spiritual reality. All right, Revelations 20, look at verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the what? Lake of fire. So this tells you what's going to happen. Death and hell is going to be cast into the lake of fire. Sickness and disease, the curse and everything is going to be thrown into there. But whosoever was not found written in the book of life, not born again, are going to end up in the lake of fire for how long? Forever and ever. Praise God. All right, go to Revelations 21. Revelations 21, 1, look at verse 1. And I saw a 
new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Here for the saved, what's going to happen? We're going to have a new heaven, and we're also going to have a new earth. It's going to be a perfect earth, and we are going to be put down here to rule and reign for how long? Ever and and ever, praise God. Now, these are things that you're going to have to know, especially when you're ministering to people who want to know these things. When somebody says, well, I'm going to go to purgatory until somebody prays me out of there, you're going to have to show them that there is no purgatory and there's heaven or hell and they need to make their decision right now. I mean, that might convince them to do something. I mean, if, if you put that, if a purgatory is just like, well, I can just do the best I can, and I'll end up in there, and then when everybody prays me out, I'll get to heaven someday, you know. Well, how many know when they die, that's going to be a rude awakening when that takes place, praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 25. My God, ain't you glad he got born again? Yeah. Sometimes you wonder, how in the heck did he do it? I did my best not to get born again. I still ended up born again. I don't know. He outsmarted me somehow, praise God. I don't know how he did it. Glory to God. I'm not sure. I've never studied that, James, but... <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter 25, look at verse 41. Then shall he say also... Unto them on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and who? His angels. Now notice when, when hell was first and the everlasting fire was first introduced, it was introduced for who? The devil and his angels. The devil and his angels. It wasn't built for mankind because mankind was supposed to be spiritually alive forever. But since Adam made a mistake and everybody went the other way, then it had to be basically made bigger or it had to be enlarged basically because of the change that took place at mankind. Some would not get saved. Just look at that. Good Isaiah 5. We might as well look at that quick. Okay, Isaiah chapter 5, let's just go back and start in verse 11. It says, Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. And the harp and the vial, the tabret and the pipe and the wine are all their feasts, but they regard not the work of the Lord, rather consider the operation of his hands. Therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore hell has enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their pomp and that he rejoices shall descend into it. And the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. Now here it's talking about people basically, and hell had been enlarged. Why was it enlarged? Because people were going to hell. Why was hell enlarged? And basically, who do they blame it on? They blame it on the people who are teaching the people. 
That's a scary verse. So it's very important what you do. And I mean, I'm a teacher up here. We have other teachers in the church, but you are also a teacher. And you need to teach other people correctly on what's going on so that hell doesn't have to be enlarged anymore and we can get people into the kingdom of God where they belong. So all people are either the child of the devil, they're a child of God, one or the other, basically. And what we are trying to do is make sure that people who are spirit beings and going to live forever go to the right place and basically get born again. Praise God. All right. Let's see where we want to go. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. One of the questions I've ran into as a pastor several times is that people do not believe when Jesus died that he actually went into hell. They believe that since Jesus was so holy, so righteous, that basically he couldn't possibly have gone into hell, that he was just buried in the grave and came up out of the grave. So I've had to study that over a period of time in order to prove it biblically that he actually did go into hell. Because if you study the word also, I mean, everything that Jesus didn't do, you're stuck with. In other words, he became sin so you could become righteous. He went to hell so you could go to heaven. He, he became sick so you could live in healing. So if he only went in the grave, then where does that leave us? See? But people want to argue he was so holy that that's just the way it is. So Matthew 12, look at verse 39. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights, where? In the heart of the earth. So notice this explains it right here, that Jonah was three days and three nights, where? In the belly of a whale. He wasn't in the skin of the whale. He was in the belly of the whale. Three days and three nights. So the Son of Man here was three days and three nights in where? Was he in the grave? No, he was in the heart of the earth. Now this to me, in my opinion, means that hell must be in the heart of the earth. If Jesus spent three days and three nights in hell, he spent three days and three nights in the center of the earth, then the center of the earth and hell must be three days and it must be hell. You see my logic there? So basically hell. Now I've heard... I've heard stories about where people dug down too far or something. I don't know if you've heard any of them. They dug down too far and there's a bunch of fire down there. It was hot and burning up and flames started shooting up. I don't know if that stuff's true or not. But according to the Bible, then basically it was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he wasn't in just the grave. He was in the heart, the core, or the center of the earth, which means Jesus did go down into hell. He went to hell so that we could qualify to go to heaven. There's other scriptures that said he went down into the pit. The word pit there means the lowest deep that there is. Another one says that basically there's something called Hades, which is an invisible abode and place of punishment. So Jesus did go into hell. There's other scriptures if you look them up and clarify with that if you ever need to do something with that. All right, go to First Peter chapter... Pat chapter 3. 
All right, 1 Peter chapter 3, let's look at verse 18. It says, For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure thereunto, even baptism, does also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he talks about people who basically were in prison at one time. He calls it prison. Now basically he's talking about the Old Testament saints. Where did the Old Testament saints go? The ones who obeyed him, the ones who were in line with him since they couldn't be born again, but they were still righteous because of their obedience and faith to him. Where did they go when they died? Well, they couldn't go to heaven because Jesus had not suffered and died on the cross and opened up the gates of heaven for people to get in. Well, they certainly didn't go to hell because they were obeying God. They were God's instruments. They were God's people. So where did they go? They went to a place here he calls prison or what else is it called do you know Abraham's bosom that's where they went they went to a place called Abraham's bosom Abraham's bosom was a holding place say a holding place it was a holding place for those people who were sooner or later going to go to heaven but couldn't get into heaven yet because Jesus had not suffered died and raised from the dead so that people were allowed to go into heaven see until Jesus went up and took his blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat nobody else got into heaven at all do you understand when he paid the price and, and cut out the defilement that was left there by Satan basically it opened the windows of heaven for people then to go to heaven so what did he do it says here that he stopped and he preached to them now what do you think he preached he probably preached the gospel, didn't he? That suffered, I've died, I've paid the price to go to heaven. Now you can go to heaven with me. And this is where people get a holding place like purgatory from because they still think this exists. Well, this exists for a certain purpose and that purpose is no longer necessary so it doesn't have to exist. Are you following me? Yeah. People that die now go right to heaven. They don't have to go to a holding place because Jesus, by the resurrection... Basically, and here it tells you how people get there, verse 21, and the like figure wherein to baptism does also now save us, the putting away of the filth of the flesh, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he says people don't get to heaven by doing their best to be good by trying real hard. They do it by basically believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, when he was raised from the dead, he made us just and righteous that day. So we get in on the merits of Jesus Christ, not on our own merits. And once you get born again, sometimes people revert back into religion. In other words, they go back into your own performance. Once God saved me, but now I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to do that. You don't have to do anything but obey God. It's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything special. You don't have to get in everything that comes along in the church. We've got 42 committees and you're on 41 of them. What am I trying to do? Well, I'm trying to please God. I'm trying to get saved. I'm trying to do my best. Your salvation is based totally on what he did, not what you do. He's already provided it for you. Praise God. Like the young gentleman that came up front on Sunday. Are you born again? Yes. Are you saved? Yes. Are you going to heaven? Yes. Why? Because. No, why are you going? Because. How many know because just isn't a good enough answer for me? 
You know, we got to know a little bit more than that. I said, because you're a good boy? Well, that might play a part. No, don't play a part in it. See, so even when you do it, a lot of people think they're going to heaven. Why? Because I went to church every Sunday and every Wednesday night my whole life, and I was always there, and I made sure I was there, and I even marked it down. I can show you the dates and times that I went there every single time, and, and that doesn't do it for you, do you see? That aren't the things. If you're actually born again and pursuing God, you will want to go to Wednesday and Sunday. You'll want to read the Word. You'll want to pray in the Holy Ghost. You'll want to spend time with God. You won't do it just to get an extra brownie point with God. See, and that's what's infilled in all of us. We all got this religious stuff on the inside of us. That's why you're depressed. That's why you're down and out sometimes because you stepped out of the freedom. Stepped out of the freedom and went right back into religion again. And then when you get in religion, it's, it's bad because if you're judging yourself by your works, you're very quick to judge others. And then we get a whole church of everybody judging everybody. And then it really gets ugly. And that's why there's church splits. That's why there's love church and then more love church over here. And more, more love church over here. And great love over here. Why? Because they had four splits from four different people who were living in religion. And, and they wanted to give God any credit. They want to take their own credit, praise God. Yeah, I'm holy and righteous. Why? Because I've been such a good boy. And you're not. You need to be like me. Well, no, you don't, praise God, be like me. When I first got into ministry, I mean, I was bunch of pastors I was dealing with and some of them were, were good pastors and everybody's different but some of them before they preached would spend four hours in prayer and reading the word before they preached I thought my God I don't spend four hours when I'm not going to preach much like when I'm going to preach so what was I? I was condemned well, how long do you spend? well I show up what do you mean you show up? you haven't been, pr you haven't been praying for hours for this? I said no well I pray four hours every time before I preach well good for you Praise God. But that don't make you any better than me, praise God. Hallelujah. And the Bible never said before thou preachest, thou shalt spend four hours in thou prayer room with thou and, and tell you, when it first came out, it'll affect your life because they're successful people. And if they're successful, this is what I want to do. So when I was at the prayer meeting on Thursday nights, and it was time, I got home from work, and I went right to my bedroom, and I shut the door, and I locked myself in for it because I'd had an hour. And I'm a praying, and I'm a studying. And one of the kids would knock at the door and say, Get out of here. Don't you know I'm praying? I got to preach in an hour. And then I'd feel like crap. Come on, because I yelled at my kid. I prayed an hour in guilt and condemnation then. By the time I get to where I'm going, I don't feel like doing anything. Give the microphone to somebody else who hasn't yelled at their kid in the last hour. But it, it worked on me to a place where I started to pattern myself after other people. And most religious people want you to pattern yourself after them. Because if you're not, if you're not doing it, they want to measure you like that. Now, you got your own relationship with God. And I'll tell you what you preach. Whatever you put in comes out. And I don't have to cram it in the last four hours. I've been doing it for six days before I got it behind the pulpit. Come on now. You're putting it in all the time. And what you put in is just, somebody told me, it's just like a mother. You feed yourself and you put the milk out. That's all you do. You don't try to get the milk to come out. You don't try to make it happen by praying for four hours before it takes time. You simply, what you put in will come out. So if you're a preacher, you stay in the Word of God. You load up. You listen to God. You listen to God. When you get up here, it will come out. That's why you're in a position where you don't even have to teach what's on your notes like I'm not doing right now because what's already in you will come out of you. Are you following me? And that's good for the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost knows what each and every one of you needs. 
See, I don't know what you need and what you don't need. So I got something planned so the Holy Ghost will say, oh, she needs that over there, so jump over there. And oh, jump over. Sometimes you say, I don't know how I got over there. I know how you got over there. It was the Holy Ghost who took you over there because somebody needed to do that. Then you interview everybody leaving the church that day and say, wasn't that a wonderful sermon on love? And somebody says, love? He didn't preach on love today. He preached on forgiveness today. Forgiveness? He never said anything about forgiveness today. Because the Holy Ghost hits everybody. Are you following? Hits everybody, basically, and that's the way you do it. But when you get off into religion, then you're qualifying yourself for everything. And in order to do that, you want everybody to be qualified. And I'll tell you what you look for. Somebody who's not doing as much as you because you feel better than and can condemn them at the same time. See? I've been in church every Wednesday. You haven't been there yet. Come on, just as if that made you any better. You probably weren't listening anyway. You were probably on your phone doing some game the whole time you were there anyway. So just being there doesn't really do that for you either. See? So basically, we don't want to do religion. We want to do the freedom that's given us as spiritual beings. It tells us not to, not to lose the, the, the freedom that we've already given us, that he's already, already given us. You've already got the freedom. So what are we going to do? We're going to stay spiritual people. We're going to live in peace. What does a spiritual person do? Lives in peace. Where do they live in? They live in joy. Now, when I start to lose my peace, what happened? I think I left my spirit, and I'm going off into the wrong realm, so I better get back over into the other realm, praise God, and set my mind on him. If you keep your mind on him, you'll live in perfect peace. So I'm going to think of the Word of God, ain't I? I ain't going to think of the problem. I ain't going to think of the thing. People said, well, you don't know the problems I'm going through. Well, quit thinking about the problems you're going through and think about what Jesus already did for your problem. Amen. And you'll do a lot better in your life, praise God. So Jesus has given us everything spiritually. That's why we've been raised and seated in heavenly places. That's why everything that we need has been given to us spiritually. And whatever you try to earn in your life, you will never be able to use spiritually. It cuts you off from your spiritual gifts, see? If you're still praying and trying to get faith, Chances are you never used faith because you don't believe you have faith until you get faith and you're not going to get faith till you do enough to get faith and you're going to keep going around a circle because you never do enough to get your faith so you're never going to use your faith but you wish you had faith. You see other people operating in faith then you're mad at them because they're getting results in their faith and you've been doing this a lot longer than they've been doing it and you get all upset. It doesn't work that way. In the spirit realm, everything's been provided freely for us. We're no longer in this natural realm trying to earn our way to heaven, trying to do these things. The Bible says it's not because of us and our merits. You can pat yourself on the back for absolutely nothing. Nothing. Salvation? No. The Bible says it wasn't by you. It was by him. It was freely provided for you. So now if I'm going to live in the power in the spirit, I'm going to believe that I have the power. If I'm going to live anointed, I'm just simply going to believe I'm anointed. These are the things in my divine nature that are already there. I'm going to love people. I'm not going to live by my feelings. Because if I live by my feelings, I'm going to be pulled out, ain't I, out of the spirit realm. There are no, no good feelings in the spirit realm a lot of times unless you're laying on the floor with goosebumps all over you. That's a good feeling. But it doesn't work that way. So basically we want to get religion out of our lives. That's what keeps us from operating in the spirit realm. That's what keeps angels from being operative in your life. Angels, as long as you stay on the word of God and you stay in peace and joy and speak the word of God, they're chasing you all over the place. You may not see them, but they're there, praise God. They're there. They respond to your mouth. They respond to your thoughts. They respond to your attitude. They respond to all those things. So we want to look at the spirit. I think it's Colossians that says, let's look at that. Go to Colossians 3. Sometimes you think, you think sometimes I think, gosh, I'm getting older. And God always says, well, I already told you. The, oh, 
outer man perishes every day, but the inner man is renewed every day. So why should it be a surprise? <laughs> All right, Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, are you? Then seek those things which are where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection and your thought life on things above, not on things on the earth. So this tells you right here, what are you setting your sights on? Are you setting your sights on what God has done for you, how he's provided it for you, the peace and joy that I have in me, or am I setting them on what's going on in the world right now? If you set them on what's going on in the world right now, you're going to end up depressed before it's over with because there's nothing really that great going on in the world right now. But you've got to remember also, it's the spirit realm that controls the natural realm. So we get enough people living in the spirit realm. See, what a time to be a light right now. If you're walking around just with a smile on your face in a grocery store, eight people want to shoot you before you get out of there. Why is that? How can you, how can you be happy right now with what's going on? What's the matter with you? Well, I'm thinking about things above rather than things on the earth. See, I'm, I'm looking at things up there, praise God. I'm sorry, I'm just happy today. I can't help it, praise God. I'll try, try to look sad for you. That'll make you happy. Or won't make you... But see, when you're walking around in peace and joy right now, I mean, it's the darker it gets, the brighter we can get. And you don't have to do a lot. I mean, it, it's been almost, you know, a year before anybody could even see your smile because they blocked it off your face. But now we can do it again. So now we smile. I love smiling at the mask people. You know why? Because I don't know if they're smiling back or they're cussing me out. And it doesn't make any difference because I'm witnessing either way, see? But notice, so many little things that we can do and do, but we've got to keep our focus on the spiritual things. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There's two families. One is going to heaven and the other ones are going to hell. And you've got to understand the people you work with are going one place or another. The people you run into, your relation is going one place or another. Your family's gone one place or another. Sure, praise God, we're gone. We've been saved. We love the Lord Jesus and all that. But there's people around you that you need to save. And people say, well, I'll wait till I'm on their deathbed. How many of you thought that before you got born again? See, before I got born again, I'd go to confession. And I'd be clean, clean. Didn't matter how many sins I committed the week before, I'd be clean. See? And then I just hope I died before I got dirty again. <laughs> and I always dreamed that right before I died, I'd be able to confess my sins and get free. So why should I get saved? I can have all the fun I want, then repent and hopefully die before I messed up again. But how I many you know that's a tough way to live? Because you don't know when. They're going to pull the old button here, and that's going to be it for you. And you get caught at the wrong time. Why was that? Because, once again, ignorance. And we're ignorant of spiritual things. We know all about the natural things. We understand the world. We understand all this stuff. But it's time to educate ourselves in the spirit realm, praise God. And the more we do that, the more we'll live in the spirit. The Bible tells you if you live in the spirit, you won't live in the flesh. Well, I'm trying to get out of the flesh. Don't. Just live in the spirit. You won't have to get out of the flesh because you're out of there already. See, we want to reverse everything. We want to make sure we did it. So praise God, there's a spirit realm, there is a natural realm. The spirit realm is the realm that's going to be eternal forever. The natural realm is going to pass away sooner or later. A new heavens and a new earth, praise God. Tell somebody, and, and I mean Saturday we're going to, let me re just remind you, we're going to do that thing at 2 o'clock. Uh, Fielding Cage is coming, and he's going to show you how to witness to people. We're going to go out on the street, and we're going to go do it for a while. People say, what, what are we going to do? I don't know. I don't have any idea. They can do whatever they want to do. I'll give them permission to do that. So that's what's going to happen on Saturday. If you want to learn how to witness, come. They will show you this is what they do. This is not what I do. This is what they do. See, everybody's different or do. They get them saved. They bring them in. I clean them up, and I take care of them. Praise God. That's the way we, way we do it. So hallelujah. All right, give the Lord a hand clap tonight.
are dynamic words, go to mytcbc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. So remember to seek first the kingdom.